Hello and welcome to Z3 News. I'm James Bailey and today is Tuesday, November 19th, 2019. And today is the fourth program in a new series that I've called Heart to Heart. And I believe God put that on my heart to start this series where I share whatever he puts on my heart. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to the previous programs, I recommend going back and listening to those because I'm continuing along the same lines. And in the previous program, I was sharing God's promises recorded in the scriptures to the righteous, specifically regarding the manifestation of his presence in our life. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about that we believe blindly by faith, that he is with us, but yet we never experience or have the, the uh, tangible evidence of entering into that realm where we can actually sense that he's with us, just like we would sense that another person is with us. Of course, he's not just another person, because when he's with us, we receive the glorious uh, atmosphere that he lives in continually, And that includes all the wonderful blessings of peace and joy and contentment and satisfaction and uh, the love of God surrounds us and gives us that sense of security and all of these wonderful things that do not come from this world system. In fact, this world system will do everything it can to rob us of those things, but God has given us his promise that everyone who walks uprightly before him, everyone who qualifies to be called righteous in his eyes, according to what he requires, we have his promise that we can have all these things. But what I want to talk about today is the difference between qualifying for the promises and receiving them. And I've noticed there's a tendency among all of us myself included, we tend to think according to our own natural understanding rather than realigning our thinking to conform to what the scriptures tell us. And what I mean is we tend to think, you know, God is great and all-powerful and almighty, you know, the creator of heaven and earth and so he's so powerful, so and, and, and in comparison, you know, we're nothing compared to him. And so this leads us to a wrong conclusion that whatever is going to happen in our life is up to God. And so it's kind of this attitude of que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Uh, I'm just going to have to wait and see what God decides. And whatever happens in my life, It's all in his hands, and there's just not much else to be said about it or done about it because I don't have that kind of power, and uh, only he does. Now, this kind of thinking is not only in line with our natural understanding, but it creeps into the teachings that we hear coming from many pulpits. In fact, this is what I was taught for many years after I became a Christian, and not knowing any better, you know, it sounds sounds right because it, it already aligns with my natural understanding. 
And so I was 23 years old when I first got saved. So this was a new thing for me to enter into a Christian fellowship with other believers and to actively participate in a church. And I was told by all of them things like Christianity is a spectator sport where we just sit back and watch and see what God does as if we had no part to play in it whatsoever because, you know, he's sovereign and he'll take care of it all. Well, now, I don't believe my situation was unique because I've seen this kind of thinking prevailing over large numbers of people in very large churches coming from the pulpits of very well-known pastors and Christian leaders. For example, I heard one very well-known Christian speaker telling his congregation and his national television audience that whatever happens in your life is the will of God. Everything, he said specifically, everything that happens in your life is the will of God. And unfortunately, that just directly contradicts the words of Jesus when he said, pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what he's saying is the will of God is always done in heaven, but it is not always done on the earth. And therefore, we need to pray that it would be. So according to Jesus, we have a very important role to play here in determining whether or not God's will is done on the earth. And it doesn't take anything away from how great and powerful God is, but it has a lot to do with what he has given us to do. And if we don't understand that, then we put ourselves in danger of missing the will of God for our life because he specifically told us what we need to do. Now, to give you just another example of how widespread this wrong thinking is and how entrenched it is in Christian circles, that first year when I was just getting started in my Christian life, I took a job up in Columbus, Ohio. And so not only was I being indoctrinated with wrong thinking by my friends and by my church leadership, but also there was a very large Christian bookstore where I discovered that they had a very selective list of Christian authors in their store, and they had another list of those they had banned. And specifically, they had banned any Christian authors who taught anything along the lines that we had any part to play in receiving the will of God for our life. So they only carried materials that promoted this wrong idea that we basically have nothing to do with it. It's all determined by the sovereignty of God. And so I was pretty much getting it from all directions. And I got entrenched in that way of thinking to the point where if I heard anyone teaching contrary to that, I just outright rejected it, 
turned the channel off, turned the teaching off, whatever. I got away from it and really had kind of a um, hostility is the best way to describe it because I was not even open to hear any contrary views because I thought I already knew. And what happened was my Christian life just got drier and drier and drier until eventually I had the encounter that I shared in the previous program, and that was in 1993. And I had been a Christian at that time for 11 years. But what happened because of that encounter, it ignited a hunger in me for more of God. And I began to seek God more earnestly, like just a zeal for God. I was just so excited in my relationship with Him. And I really began to you know spend more time with him and really diligently pursue him with everything I knew to do. And what happened was one day when I was in my backyard praying, I began to kind of shut my mind down, my thoughts down, and just let whatever was in my heart flow through my mouth. And I began to just pray, you know, in the spirit. Um, and with the understanding, but it was everything was coming from that realm instead of my head realm. And it was really startling to me one day when I began to hear myself decreeing and declaring, and I'm talking militantly as I was marching around in my backyard and um, taking authority, decreeing things. And then my head tuned in and heard what I was saying, and I was like, what? What are you saying? Because I realized in my head that what I was doing was contrary to what my theology and what my understanding had told me was true. And it was that at that time I realized that I had been misunderstanding the Scriptures. And so then I went back and I started studying the Scriptures, and I saw that these things were right there all along, but yet I wasn't seeing them. I was glossing over so many scriptures because they did not fit my understanding, so I just moved on. And this is what I see happening throughout the church, is we reject the scriptures unknowingly, not intentionally, but we we put the teachings of men ahead of the scriptures And so we get stuck in this place where we're not moving forward and we're not uh, doing the things that we need to do to receive God's promises because we're just stuck in neutral, waiting for God to do it. And God is already put it in our hands, so He's waiting for us to do it. And so nothing's happening. We're not making progress. And that's where I was. I was stuck. And it was only after I got hungry, so hungry that I was willing to open up to receive. And these truths had been there all along. I'd read over them many times, but because I wasn't hungry enough to set aside my own understanding and just really take them for what they're saying, not coming with any preconceived ideas and exalting my own knowledge above the Scriptures, Because what it means to get hungry is it means that we 
lower ourselves, we humble ourselves, and we are willing and open to listen and receive what God is saying. As long as we're thinking we already know some things, then we're not really listening and we're not really receiving what he's trying to get across to us. And so we just stay in darkness. And so at that point, I'd been a Christian for 11 years, and everything that I thought I understood got totally upended. And I was so amazed by what was happening and the transformation of my understanding that I'd literally lay in bed at night and say, how was this possible that I could be a Christian for 11 years and not even know my ABCs? I mean, that's what it was like, the, the basic ABCs, the most fundamental truths of our faith, and they had been hidden from me. And, of course, you know, Satan gets in there and tries to keep these things hidden, but we help him when we're so puffed up with our own head knowledge and think that we know some things. So when it comes to receiving what God has promised, it starts with first knowing what he has promised and how we qualify for those promises. And along those lines, I did a study last year where God had ignited in me a hunger to understand the scriptures regarding righteousness. And so I did a study, and in that I found 222 promises which God has made where the only requirement for receiving those promises is righteousness. And there were so many that I divided them into categories. I came up with 16 different categories of promises for which righteousness is the only requirement. And these cover every area of our life. In the previous program, I shared some of the scriptures that I found that had to do with receiving uh, the presence of God in our life. But that's just one small uh, sample of all the different promises. There's promises for protection, provision, blessings on the words of our mouth, promises for our children, and it goes on and on and on with many amazing things that God has promised to do for those who walk uprightly. Now, I included a list of all 222 promises in the exhibits in the back of the book that I just published on July 4th of this year called Remnant. And in that list, I also uh, provided an amplified version. So I've got the, the scripture in the New King James Version, and then I've got my amplified version of it where I did word studies to bring out the full meaning of those promises. And then in chapter 5, I summarized for each of the 16 categories, I summarized the promises um, in a paragraph so that for each category there's a one-paragraph summary that gives us a picture of God's vision, God's plan what he wants us to have in our life in all of these different areas. And it's a very powerful um, thing to, to see those promises all put together. And it's encouraging because we need to know 
you know, what, what is it that, what is the target? What is God's plan for our life? It's not a mystery. He's revealed it to us already, what he wants us to have. And he's very specific. His promises to us are very specific. And receiving what he has promised begins with, first of all, knowing what he has promised. And to that end, I want to read some of these summaries that I put together. And at the bottom of each summary, I've listed all the scripture references. So all I've done is summarize scriptures. For example, for the category that I'm calling promises for provision, God promises he will not allow you to go hungry, but he will give you everything you need, including food and clothing, and even going beyond your basic needs, he will not withhold any good thing from you, but he'll teach you to profit and cause you to increase in abundance giving you more than enough to satisfy your appetite with things that are good and beneficial, blessing your barns and your storehouses and filling your house with great wealth and riches, much treasure, so many possessions that you will lend to many people without any need to borrow, while also leaving an inheritance not just for your children but even your grandchildren. Okay, the next category I'm calling God's promises for our prayers. He promises to keep his eyes and ears on you, always staying attentive to your cries. So whenever you pray to him fervently, your prayers will make a big difference, even qualifying you for a special privilege granting you the right to ask for whatever you desire, whatever pleases you and God will give it to you. Now, the next category I'm calling promises for more of God, and some of these are what I shared in the previous episode, but I'll read this summary. It says, God promises to love you and be your friend, giving you a harvest of his goodness, his kindness, and his faithfulness. He'll give you reasons to praise him and even to boast about what he has done for you. He'll bring you great contentment and satisfaction by saturating you with his presence when you awaken, settling upon you and staying with you so you will live in his presence. He will never leave you and you will never again leave the place of his presence. He will be pleased with you and allow you to enter his inner counsel. Not only will you have free access to stand before him, but he will also put you in charge to watch over his work. You will be born of him, so he will put his own name on you and the name of the new Jerusalem. Okay, the next category I'm calling promises for your words. God promises to make your words a fountain of life, producing the fruit of wisdom and justice, and delivering you from harm, while causing other people to dearly love you and kings to take delight in you, because you continually speak words that are straight and right, bringing forth what is good, wholesome, precious, pure, pleasant, profitable, and acceptable. The next category is promises for protection. Although you will encounter much evil, God promises it will be rendered powerless to harm you because he will plunder every evil that comes against you 
and snatch you away from it. He will place a hedge of protection around your path, like a shield surrounding you, so no weapon formed against you can prosper. And He'll keep watch over you, guarding you, so when a storm passes by, you will not perish, because His name will be like a strong tower of refuge for you, setting you on high, out of harm's way, giving you a firm foundation of support to stand upon. So you will escape and be rescued and delivered from all misery and distress, as it is entirely stripped away from you, and you enter a place of peace and rest. When charges are brought against you, God will not allow you to be condemned, but will make things right for you, so the charges will be dropped and you will be cleared, and your accusers will be required to answer to Him. When your enemies seek to kill you, God will not leave you in their hands, but will make a way of escape for you, so you can slip away into a safe place while they are defeated before your eyes. And though they come against you one way, God will cause them to flee from you seven ways. The next category is promises for more joy. Because you have turned away from all unrighteousness, your singing and rejoicing will no longer be hindered. Instead of mourning, God is now anointing you with the oil of joy, giving you good reasons to be glad, causing you to shout for joy in your house. And each time you do, God will be glorified by it, as His light will shine through your joy. He is sowing His joy into you like seed, with the power to produce a harvest of much more joy than you've ever had before, and more than others around you. The next category is promises for your children. So great will be the blessings of God on your children. Not only will they be blessed and happy, but they will be like a tree of life that grows up strong and mighty, bearing much fruit in the earth, causing their names to be remembered forever. When any harm comes their way, God will make a way for them to slip away from it. They will never have to beg for food because God's faithfulness will be extended to them and to their children. The next category is promises for wisdom. God has hidden away a treasure of the most helpful and substantial wisdom for you to help you discern every good path so you'll know how to recognize and follow the right path where you'll find wisdom walking along beside you teaching you to rely on your inner man so you carefully meditate on what is in your heart before you answer other people and teaching you discernment between the clean and the unclean the holy and the unholy so God can use you to teach these things to his people just as he did with the sons of Zadok the next category his promises for health and long life. God will not allow diseases to come upon your body 
And even if you fall seven times, you will rise again each time. Your strength will be increased in times of trouble, adding length of days and long life to you. And even in your old age, you will continue bearing fruit, prospering and thriving with abundance, so you can declare the righteousness of God. The next category is promises for your position. God will plant you in His house and cause you to flourish like a green olive tree, so you will never be moved or stumble or stagger or slip or be shaken. He will raise you up and promote you to a position of holiness, restoring you to your rightful place, setting you apart from all others for His service, surrounding you with His favor and encircling you with His kindness making you the head and not the tail, in a position of governing over his house in charge of his courts, with authority to rule over those who are foolish. And in the age to come, he will make you a pillar in his house where you will rule the nations with authority and a rod of iron. The next category is promises for your path. God knows your path. And considers your journey. So he's well acquainted with it and determines the right direction for your life. He goes before you to prepare the path for your feet to walk, making it smooth, level, and straight, so you will be kept safe and protected, blessed coming in and blessed going out, because you walk in his ways, following the right path, the path of life which grows brighter and brighter like the rising of the sun until the full day. The next category is promises for your character. You will find support to lean on, so your inner man will not grow dim or faint, but will remain firm and steady, filled with peace, bold as a lion, feeling safe and secure, because of your trust and confidence in God. So you will have no fear of bad news or any evil report, but thinking right thoughts with an attitude of gratitude, giving thanks to the name of God and wearing the mantle of praise. You will be gracious, compassionate, and concerned for the rights of the poor. So you will give freely to the needy without holding anything back desiring only things that are surely good and beneficial. You will find the behavior of unrighteous people to be abominable, hating their lies and deceptions. So you will want no part in their deeds, and you will enjoy seeing wrong things made right as God sets the needy securely on high, away from affliction. All these traits will give you a right foundation for ruling from a seat of honor. The next category is promises for eternity. Your name will be recorded in the book of life, so you will find a refuge where you will be protected and delivered from death and will go into eternal life where your righteousness will endure forever and you will be remembered forever. You will receive a sure reward that will never be taken away as you shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of your Father, 
with his goodness and kindness upon you forever and ever. And until then, the voice of salvation will be in your house. The next category is promises for your land. God will make a way for you to live in the land and remain in it. He will bless the fruit of your ground by opening for you his good storehouse, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season, causing the early and late rain to fall upon your fields. So they produce crops and fruit, giving you an increase, so you have more than enough in good things, a harvest of grain, wine, and oil. The next category is promises for honor. God will distinguish between you and the wicked who do not serve him by allowing people to see his rewards upon you as you increase in authority and abundance. So they will know you are called by his name and will acknowledge he has done it, which will cause them to fear you. No man will be able to stand before you because God will lay the dread of you and the fear of you on all the land on which you set your feet. Even wicked people will bow their faces at your gates to give honor to that which is undeniably good and agreeable and pleasant. Your name will be so highly honored, other people will be blessed whenever they remember you. And the last category I call promises for blessings. God will reward your righteousness by blessing you, praising you, congratulating you, saluting you, adding his peace to you and causing you to blossom like a budding leaf, grow like a cedar in Lebanon, flourish and shoot straight up like a palm tree in his courts. He will command the blessing upon all you put your hand to do, so the fruit of your own actions will cause things to go well for you. Even in dark times, His light will break forth to help you see what others cannot see. You will look with satisfaction upon your enemies, laughing at those who would not make God their refuge, and even washing your feet in their blood. And so that's a broad overview of the 222 promises God has made to everyone who walks uprightly before Him, meeting His requirements for righteousness. And this is why He has stated in Matthew 6.33, instructing us to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And if we'll do that, He says, then all these other things will be added to you. And so it's very important for us to understand what he means when he talks about righteousness, and there is a lot of confusion on that topic, and I've devoted an entire chapter to just explaining righteousness because, once again, we've made the same mistake that I was talking about before, where we have taken our own natural human understanding to try to understand spiritual things, and you can't, it doesn't work because spiritual things have to be um, understood by revelation knowledge that only comes from God. And so what we've done is we've overplayed the part that God does in the equation, and we've underplayed what God requires from us, even to the point where uh, many churches have now just embraced whatever, whatever lifestyle anything goes. 
And they call that uh, righteousness before God, even though the scriptures clearly identify otherwise. And so what we have is a perverted definition of righteousness that leads people to think that they can just live any way they want. And even to the point where our deeds, if anyone mentions deeds, it's like a cuss word. Like, what are you talking about deeds? Don't you know that that's legalistic, that God doesn't require any deeds? All we have to do is believe and and basically do nothing. In other words, we're off the hook. We don't have to obey his commandments. And so we have to go back to the scriptures and define righteousness the way that Jesus defined it when he said, you are my friends if you obey my commandments. And the way the Apostle Paul defined it when he said, what matters is keeping the commandments of God. So we have a very important part to play in meeting God's requirements to qualify for righteousness, which is what qualifies us for all those promises. But even after qualifying, there is a difference between qualifying and receiving. And it's like the difference between someone who's been named as a legal heir to receive a great inheritance, and they've been given a legal contract that has their name written on it that says these things, all these possessions, are your inheritance. But yet, at that time, all they have is this document. They have not yet taken possession of the inheritance, which in some cases it can be many years later before they actually see the full manifestation of all that's been given to them. And so there's this delay and there's this difference between um, qualifying and receiving. And during that time, during that gap, someone else could come along and say, these are my possessions and I'm taking possession of them. And the the person who's been named as an heir then has to stand up and speak up and go back to their document and pull it out and say, no, look, this is the legal contract. It's signed off. It's got my name on it. This is my inheritance, and you have no legal right here whatsoever, so get out. So they have to contend, and they have to stand their ground and stand firm and hold on to what's been promised to them. Otherwise, it can be stolen from them if they're passive about it, if they think that it's all up to God and nothing left up to them, then they would just do nothing and just let the enemy come in and steal and rob them blind. And so that is not God's will for us, and his promises are like legal contracts between him and us. There's no other third parties mentioned in these contracts. Every single promise is God speaking to the righteous. Satan had no say in it. Nobody else had any say in it. So nobody else can violate the contract or or nullify the contract. It's only between him and us. If we meet the requirement, then we have every legal right to take possession of everything he said, but we must stand firm on the promise. In other words, we must contend for the promise. We must take, militantly take, possession of the promise. And so there's no room left for passivity. There's no room left for saying, 
it's all up to God and nothing left up to me. God's going to do it, and if he does, great. And if he doesn't, then it must not have been his will. No, that's not, that's not how it's done. We have to take what he's already promised and made clear belongs to us. And that's why Jesus said that the kingdom of God endures violence, and the violent take it by force. That is the very opposite of passivity. There is nothing passive about taking it by force. Yet those are the instructions given to us directly by Jesus. And so this is the fight that we must fight to press into not only the promises, but even the revelation that how we receive the promises, that it is up to us. We can't shrink back into that old natural human understanding, that passive mindset. We can't allow that to dominate us. And, and so there is a press that's required to press into, to renew our mind, to get our thinking realigned with the scriptures so that we're no longer falling back into those old passive ways. And for example, I've heard these teachings, I've embraced these teachings now for many years, but I'm continually finding that there's more to it. There's more to press into. For example, a few days ago during my prayer time, I believe God was helping me to see that I was being very diligent to take possession of what he's promised when it comes to having my daily encounters with him. And I've had to do that because I've had to have that escape from ugly circumstances. So over the years, I've just made that a high priority to every day take full possession of everything he said I could have. But yet what I was seeing was in other areas, I'm still being very passive and just putting up with stuff, and just allowing it to fester and go on and on and on. And what he was showing me is to apply the same militant force to take possession in other areas too, and stop allowing those old passive thought patterns to hinder me from doing that. And so he's challenged me to become more militant in other areas of my life and get proactive as far as taking it by force, not not backing down. Don't allow the enemy to silence me, to confuse me, to put me off, but to be proactive in actually saying out loud and, and proclaiming the Word of God that I, I receive it, I believe it. I take possession of all God has promised me according to his word. And I am reminding all the powers and principalities of darkness that these things belong to me and you take your hands off. And I am releasing the angels of God right now to bring forth everything that belongs to me according to God's word. And I can specifically begin to name those specific things, just as I was reading to you in those promises, because they belong to the righteous. We've met the qualification. Now it's time to 
stand firm and take possession, begin to speak forth and proclaim those words over every area that everything, every promise God has spoken is ours and it begins to manifest and we're not content until we see the full manifestation. We don't settle for any kind of compromise. That is our legal right. And now if we're going to fulfill the plan that God has for our life, we have got to take it. We've got to fight for it. We've got to open our mouth and speak and begin to pursue diligently, forcefully, and do the things that he's given us to do and not back down and not come up with reasons why it can't be, not come in agreement with anything that's contrary to his promises. And when we do that, there is nothing that can stop us because like I said, those promises are like a two-party contract. We can know with a certainty that God is going to fulfill his end of the contract. He is 100% reliable and more than able to do everything that he promised to do. And so it's only left up to us. We're the only other party involved in the deal. And if we will do our part, if we will take possession of all that he said, if we will claim it and come in agreement with him, there is nothing in this earth that can stop it from coming to pass. We will have everything, and we will fulfill his plan for our life. Okay, well, I think I've gone long enough for today, and I'm going to stop here. And if you find this information helpful, I would appreciate if you would click on the thumbs up icon to like this program because that helps increase the visibility of it for other people to see it. Because YouTube last year deleted some of my programs, and since that time, they severely restricted the visibility of my programs so that I, I'm not getting the visibility that I used to have, and so therefore a lot fewer views. So thanks for joining me today, and I hope to be back again soon with another program. Until then, so long.